I'm ready. Welcome to the Raleigh Bitcoin Podcast. Uh, come out to our meetup here in Raleigh, North Carolina, 6.30 on Tuesday nights at a bar called Rally Point on Harrison Avenue. Um, it's conference season, sort of, in Bitcoin. And uh, let's uh, let's do it. Let's hear it. What was Bitblock Boom like? Uh, it was, for me, it was the best event that I've been to. Um, the energy was really great and it's kind of cool because like it was my first i guess like last year i suppose was a bear market but a lot of the price drop happened while we were at the event so like this year it's been kind of like you know you kind of find things to get excited about and then you know people get kind of rude on social media and whatnot so being able to go there and, and have a good time and and see a lot of people was fantastic and um i mean i was helping with some of the production so like the talks i didn't exactly get to listen to so much but just getting to see people and talk about like drive chains and kind of that stuff and hearing what michael tidwell's thoughts were on that and an ant and tc and yeah it's just it's just pretty surreal but it was good i um played poker for a moment and lost money very fast and nice. so i don't think i'm gonna do that next year but i missed it this year but i always loved the energy inside mm -hmm. the uh it's one of those things that's hard to explain but when you're at a bitcoin conference with actual bitcoiners it just it makes you feel so confident um everybody just sees it the same way yeah that was the the something that i tried to go into this conference thinking about was you know sometimes i get kind of shy like saying what's up to people i don't know or kind of like standoffish or whatever it may be and this, this going into this event i was like anybody that i see at this event like if I'm not talking to someone just or if they're not talking to someone go say hello because like they're genuine like especially if they're going to an event like this like they're wanting to know or they're they're fucking down so and yeah. you're just meeting random people that you're like wow man like I met and I don't even know their names but just yeah amazing conversations and just especially yeah. if you walk up to them and say like hey could you tell me just like two or three of your 24 words it's a <laughs> great conversation opener I did have a guy ask he's like hey man are you a bitcoiner when I was walking, and maybe I was thinking like if I had like a, if I looked angry or something. But Are I you wearing wish your I, ETH hat? <laughs> exactly. But I do. Well, that's what I wish I would have been like. This is in the Litecoin conference or something. I wish I would have yeah. been more witty, but whatever. But uh, having said all that, Ripple Nation next year, Bitblock Boom is going to try to focus around the having, and it's going back to Dallas where the original LobbyCon started, which you might oh, know where gee, that is. Yeah, the Marriott man. in Dallas. I, Dude, I don't remember that. Yeah, I love that. That um, lobby con with Pierre Richard and uh, Bitstein there in Dallas. When was the Special what was the place. first event you ever went to? Not like Bitcoin specific, more cryptography. I well Bitcoin, but like if you went in 2016, it was, I don't think it was like Bitcoin. I don't think it was labeled that, right? Yeah, I don't remember, man. There was a Cryptolina conference. Was that here in North and, Carolina? Uh, yeah, mm. there was a 2013 Cryptolina and a 2017 Cryptolina. Because, of course, everything started in Raleigh. Mm. Um, Bitcoin was probably invented in Raleigh. You know, a lot of early OG Bitcoin events in Raleigh. Uh, but, yeah, I don't really remember the first one. This is a, how I got into Bitcoin question, you know. Do well, you have a, one that stands out as, like, a particular favorite? Um, I remember when I was doing my presentation in Cryptolina in 2017, I put up Jameson's... Uh, ad to try to sell his car in bitcoin on craigslist and um i didn't really ask his permission when i did that and then i felt kind of weird afterwards <laughs> and that's a highlight 
Yeah, uh, Craigslist, you know, it has that option. Do you accept cryptocurrency on the ads? Have you seen that? On no, Craigslist? I don't really mess around with Craigslist. Sadly, yeah. I do. I'm a Facebook Marketplace guy, so don't. Definitely a don't Facebook Marketplace guy. Don't get at me yeah. for that, but yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm there with <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, Craigslist like is an awesome <laughs> ghost town right now. There's nobody there. Everybody went to yeah. Facebook Marketplace. I think Facebook Marketplace killed I, Craigslist. I mean, yeah, I mean, the algorithm. My wife tears that up. It's like, awesome, absolutely crushes people Facebook are Marketplace. People so freaking flaky on Facebook Marketplace. You get a lot of like, oh, I might come, I might not come. On Craigslist, if somebody tells you they're coming, they're coming. Huh. Like, Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, I, I bought like a like, car on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, I've bought a few things there too. It's good. But anyway, so Craigslist has cryptocurrency okay. And you can actually search by people who accept cryptocurrency. And uh, I was running some algorithms to try to figure out what percentage of people accepted cryptocurrency for their stuff. And in 2017, it was like 2%. Except for in Miami, it was like 10%, which Hmm. I thought was interesting. So, yeah, I did my presentation on that. It's kind of cool. I bet presenting one of those things is a pretty big rush. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's hard to, it's just, it's hard to say specifically what you got out of the conference. It's just the feeling of being around other people and knowing that you have something to talk to them about, knowing that you share kind of like really important things. Um, so, and I don't want to like bash, you know, the Bitcoin 2023 conference, but I, I don't, I didn't feel like this leaving that by any means. I mean, I had a great time, but that was mainly due to the, to you guys coming there sure. and being with my friends. And then this, this one, just, man, yeah, like the, the positivity and how like it was like, this is the last conference in this having cycle. Like one of these, like it might not be like this again. And, and it's just fucking crazy and it's cool to work at them so like to 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 help with all the stuff yeah it's the right size even volunteering too. like well if you can volunteer and like work much better way to talk to people you want to talk to than just being like a fucking weirdo in the in the lobby sure like it's so much easier you know yeah it's the right size i mean uh conferences are one of those things where it's not necessarily the bigger the better no not you at know, all i uh, i'd almost a, say the smaller I'm, the better yeah, yeah. I'm, these what's what you're seeing a lot of the time now is like so these guys named Pubby and Anders, who who are the toxic happy hour fellas, they've kind of uh, put the like they started this pleb party, right? And it's like these side events. Now side events are kind of weak. Like once you buy your ticket, then you got to buy another thing and another thing, and it becomes kind of fucking dumb. But yeah, like that's what's kind of interesting is seeing these side conferences. Like they're having Bitcoin Day, and I think it's to become a lot more of those than people wanting to go to the big thing. Did you go to the side conference about uh, building a secret bunker and painting your roof blue at Bitblock Boom? I missed it. I missed that. There was a lot of there was like a lot of hotel like because uh, we're all at the same hotel. Yeah, you can like you you could uh, like specific rooms had specific agendas. So like someone was teaching how to make chocolate or do whatever the fuck. So at Bitblock Boom, there is normally a uh, side thing about. Uh, being a prepper and like just being a good prepper, they like a had responsible prepper. They had those like workshops. I don't know if it was like what the yeah the topics were, but I I flew in that day, so I missed all. That. I'd be interested okay. in some of those. I bet that'd be kind of sweet. But I mean, I they agree. make you like, feel terrible. They make you feel like an idiot <laughs> for not having, not having cans and cans of. Beans. Oh, they exactly. make you feel stupid. That I thought it would make me depressed because well, I don't like that kind of shit. Well, but it's it's really like. I, mean, are you, I don't. It's like, are you kidding me? You don't have at least five gallons of water oh in your house. Like, what kind of moron are you? You're not prepared for one day 
of not having water like it's it's like i can uh, see that yeah it's like oh shit i'm not (laughs) (laughs) oops and that's like the easiest thing to stockpile too is water but isn't it weird like if you do just have like five gallons of water for storage your friends come over and think you're like freaking idiot (laughs) i went through like a very brief prepper phase and like went on a few like costco runs my wife thought i was an idiot it's, it's crazy. And a lot of that stuff has already kind of like gone a little stale or whatever. So I'm still eating like like Nature Valley bars that I bought two years ago because they're no good anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, some of that stuff like you have, you've got to dedicate a lot of time and resources to that to be good at it. Yeah. Um, I would like to at least get some some of the things that can't go bad, like a flashlight. Flashlights you know, are good. Batteries like are good batteries i've got rain barrels on my house so i mean like but that's not really drinkable water that's more for just like irrigation type stuff for that lawn that i care an awful (laughs) awful lot about today i I got eggs from eggs are sweet i got dude like i I want a chicken coop bad yeah one of one of the guys i was at his house and he gave me some eggs and i haven't ate them yet but i was like maybe i have to start buying eggs from him yeah no i mean i think you should i mean eggs are expensive as fuck right now so i just think i th- I just kind of and i love me some eggs it made me feel like i was more more uh more of a casual no i don't know how it's just it just felt something felt good about like taking eggs from a friend who yeah. and i saw the fucking no, chicken dope. right there and stuff. yeah nice. from spencer yeah spencer. yeah yeah i got i got eggs from spencer i wasn't gonna thanks do. thanks spencer thanks, shout spencer. out I'm not mean to dox you Podcasts aren't good until somebody says anyway. Have you have you noticed that? <laughs> Having like, said that, <laughs> yeah. Or like, without further ado, you ever notice like it's like, can I just have an app that fast forward until the somebody on the podcast says anyway? You don't want to hear about Bedford anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it's like twenty minutes of every podcast now, and, and and like, and I admire the absolute shit out of what Peter's doing over there. I think yeah. it's awesome, legitimately awesome. I'm sick of hearing about it. Um, at least in every episode. I mean, proud of them. I think it's super cool. It does suck to have to uh, cater to the um, the English people who are just way more socialist than we are. And he knows he has to kind of... Kind of dumb down his message a little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Do you think the majority of his audience is in the UK? No chance. Well, I mean, it's more and more obvious that his, the point of his podcast is to draw people in England to Bedford. I think more you know, so now think, than yeah, ever. Become, I, I think to make a Bitcoin Citadel in Bedford and like he literally said that in yeah. the uh, Hoddle episode. I was going to say I don't listen to the show, so I don't know. Um, it's a great show. I'm worried about the day that he inevitably pivots away from being a Bitcoin podcast to just being like a freedom tech Bedford, Bedford podcast. Uh, the Bedford <laughs> podcast. God. No, because I mean, like I think I think Bitcoin needs his show. I think it's the most easily recognizable show like it's going to hurt my feelings a little bit when it becomes a non-bitcoin specific show anymore maybe it'll just go to let or maybe he'll just do like uh i don't know like bitcoin does not need your show peter bitcoin does not need what bitcoin did that is for fucking certain but any of us why why is there a little can i ask you something like super fiat yeah just we're talking about bitcoin or not bitcoiners but i can't popular crypto channels the bitboy thing Ooh man, that I thought was it awesome. was fucking. People are like, "Oh, okay. but he's relapsing." I'm like, "That's what happens when you shit coins." Well, so one thing happens. interesting in there Did that you ask the question what was that he the knows question? what I'm talking about. I know it. So like, uh, uh, Sorry, Ben Armstrong. I did not ask the question. <laughs> the Bitboy thing was what I was. Saying. 
he got removed as like a member of the BitBoy team, which it's like, how do you remove BitBoy from the BitBoy team? But Boy, something that I found team, very huh? interesting about that release that they did is they were like, you know, we couldn't, he, A, he relapsed, B, we couldn't take his emotional, psychological, and they said physical abuse. And nobody has honed in on, like, I'm dying to know what was that physical piece that they uh, that they mentioned there. But he, I mean, I, like, I mean, do we think that he's indicted? Like, is that what's well, going he moved, on? He and, moved across the seas, you know, he moved, so... Uh, I didn't know I, he moved overseas. Yeah, he, he, moved, he, like, he did Bahamas a whole crackhead video about, like, oh my now God. we're taking my channel over to Thailand. Oh, boy. This is where we're going to be free. Taking my talents to Miami. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seeing him in Miami, like... Like yeah, you know, yeah, we I, like, saw him. I, I try to be yeah, like a could, pretty yeah. stoic Zen guy, yeah. but seeing him in Miami, like like my my heart rate fluttered Fucking, a little bit. Uh, he was handing out wizard hats. Hmm. Oh Bruno man, it was up. awful. I loved it. Bruno left. Yeah, Bruno was not happy about that, but that makes sense. Anyway, is there a question? <laughs> 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 Still waiting for that question. No, Fiat just, question. Um, I, I didn't hear about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, my my Twitter feed. Uh, but yeah. I'll ask uh, Jason Williams and the Hit Network. He's a part of it or something or something, dude. I don't know. Like okay. Jason Williams is another like kind of frustrating case to me, where like he clearly understands Bitcoin, but is a okay with you know hyping Pepe and any other kind up, of like quick, you know, that, yeah, that, yeah, that'd be interesting. Come to the meetup, Jason. We love to see you. I saw him at the airport once, talking to JC. These guys are Fiat Maxis. I'm just going to say it. Probably Jason and uh, Pomp and all these people, you know, they're they're just saying what they need to say to get more Fiat. They're just mining, but, you know, they just consider it mining Fiat. Do you think it's okay if, like, do you think uh, saving in Bitcoin makes you a Bitcoiner? Or, like, is there, like, a walk of life to becoming a Bitcoiner? Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, yeah, saving in Bitcoin makes you a Bitcoiner. But just because you're a Bitcoiner doesn't mean, in my view, that you're kind of like a helpful person. You know, it's, I mean, like imagine a shitcoiner that's just pumping out all these shitcoins and just taking a lot of money from other people and just saving in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. They're secretly a Bitcoiner, but publicly they're not like doing anything to help better the lives of the people around them. Uh, you know, they're just. I, to- I mean, I, I find it pretty personally frustrating when people are like, yeah, I trade. Uh, shitcoin so that I can make more Bitcoin. That's saying to me, like, I'm going to the casino so that I can make more money. Like, I, I don't find that to be a noble I, pursuit I don't give a whatsoever. Shit. I mean, I hate the rent-seeking aspect of it. Like, who wouldn't? Like, I would really like it if they contributed or did something, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, as long as they're saving in Bitcoin, and there's a fine line between, like, pumping a token and if my friends just want to fucking trade it. Like, like if you're pumping something and dump, like, that's yeah, I think you're a pretty fucked up individual, right? But like, if you're uh, just trading it because you think you know you could make more yield or whatever on another asset and save in Bitcoin, then you know, best of luck to you. Well, what they would say is like, oh, it's no different than just like trading stocks so that I can buy more Bitcoin. But I, I just I don't see it that way. I think that there is a you're providing much more liquidity obviously. To the scam. Well, not only that, you're validating the legitimacy of something that is not what it says it is. This is just nothing more than like a casino token that is hiding behind the guise of being legitimate innovation. 
Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that that's ethically sound. So if you if you saw two people and one said, I'm a crypto trader, and the other said, I'm a mar- stock market trader, you would feel better about the stock market guy? By by orders of magnitude, because the A, the stock is what it says it is. It's ownership of a company. It's equity in a company. Now, you can invest in unethical companies, but at least it's, it is what it says it is. It's there for anybody to invest in with some degree of transparency, whereas a shitcoin, it's not what it says it is. It doesn't have any kind of, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I find them night and day different. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> and we let them get away with it. <laughs> I don't know why that popped in my mind. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I, I think, uh, so I, uh, one value to society that traders could perform is that, you know, they're speculators and speculators provide value to society by trying to uh, find uh, the right price of something. What do they call it? Price discovery. Mm-hmm. I guess price discovery is a value to society and traders are doing the service of price discovery for us. So I guess there's Does that some mean value only going there. Up? Like if you, if, if it was but, 419 and now it's 420, you discovered a new price. That's what price discovery is in the stock market. Well, it's just saying, I mean like if price yeah. is truth. So if somebody is willing to buy whatever it is at the market price, I mean, we can get in whether or not it's an actual true free market price because it's not. Well, no, I, I, price true free discovery price is truth, but well, right. price discovery to me, like the Bitcoin it means price so is much, truth. Yeah, that, that means so much more. Well, where are you getting your info? UTXO. UTXO. But, but, <laughs> Come on. But, <laughs> dot pro. <laughs> dot pro. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, if, if every time the S&P hits a new number that's higher than the other one, I, I don't want to do, like, a new price discovery was found today. But it does I mean, mean a lot I, more when you say price discovery in Bitcoin because it's, like, I think a much more philosophical meaning. Well, but. the issue with speculating, though, is that it's just fully – speculation has replaced innovation in this market. Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. And yeah. – that's problematic because then you're buying the promise of something that might happen in the future rather than something that has actually already been created and is actively uh, currently bringing value to the marketplace. Um, I mean, one is fiat consumerism versus actual real capitalism, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, shitcoin traders, they, they frustrate me, particularly if they hide behind Bitcoin. Because I don't think they're always open and honest with what they're doing, and then they're, you're just, you know, hoping that there's some sucker. It just it it, it feels dirty. I was just thinking because like a lot of my good friends from home, like they're they love the shit coins, and so you know I've become kind of numb to them liking that. But really, if they save in Bitcoin, then I'm I'm kind of cool. Like, I can't. do they think that they're do, are, are they under any impression that they're doing anything other than chasing the rocket? I mean, they they I mean. Like, cause yeah. I mean, like, it, I, I, now, I mean, here's another like intricacy to it. I, I think really if you're just be like, look, I'm trying to catch my stamp, my ticket to the moon, baby. <laughs> like that to me, like that's honest. If you're like, no, I actually believe that avalanche, whatever XRP, I think it's a 50, is bringing 50. something of value to the market. Then that's just, okay. You didn't do your homework. Yeah. And, but you're just not going to yeah. get anywhere if you're like, you know, I well, mean, you're never going to get anywhere with a shit coin. I mean, anyway. well, part of the well, problem is yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that's why it's like, uh, part of the problem I see is that we live in this world where you kind of have to mine fiat in order to survive. Like it's, 
it's not our fault that we were born into this time period where it's basically like the fake it till you make it society and is gambling mining um well i guess okay so i agree with you about gambling well that gambling's weird i have more problems with like uh creating a shit coin pumping it to your friends and then dumping it at all your friends and then getting out of there that's what i don't like but gambling i guess gambling to me is just a form of entertainment yeah well it's honest about what it it is when you walk into a casino you're not under any impression that you're providing value to society you know exactly what you're doing right and that's what's different about the shit coin casinos is that they it's, are not honest about not you're, honest you're, ta- you're no taking you're yeah, taking right. a flyer on these fucking things. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, they're saying like, no, you know, we're trying to do whatever the talk track of the year is. You know, we're trying to help artists by creating these NFTs. Really? Or just I, whatever I love, it may be. You can help artists. <laughs> you know, him? like artists don't need to be starving <laughs> anymore because we've got NFTs now. Oh, take my we money. put JPEGs on the blockchain, baby. Come on. I had a friend back in New York, and the, like the last time I talked to her before COVID, I was telling her that she should get into that. And, like it was like twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, no, twenty twenty one, I guess. How recently was this after taking Pomp's course? I think it was like right then, like right <laughs> in the middle of it. You took Pomp's course? You didn't know this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we all have our humble beginnings, man. Pomp, come to the meetup. <laughs> yeah, sign my shirt, man. Actually, can you stop fucking sending me emails, man? I've tried to unsubscribe <laughs> for so long, and you keep sending me goddamn alumni shit. I don't want to go. Mm. Please leave me alone. Gross. But I do like some of the guys that run it. I just don't like Pomp. But, like, Cody Lowe, Fatima Man, he uh, he was the one that, I guess, orange-pilled me. He was, like, this toxic maxi psycho. And uh, he's, he's doing real stuff now, but, man, like, you know... You'd get into his Zoom calls twice or three times a week, and he was just fucking telling you the real shit. So that was cool. Toxic, Mackie, toxic Maxi Psychos, man. He was great. God bless him. He was a Marine. Yeah. Dude, this guy is like, I gotta, you would love him. You would love this guy. Cody looks He's cool. incredible. Yeah, you know, he's, he's yeah. kind of like doing like He's got like Gohan as his exactly. profile pick. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, back in the day, he was kind of like laying low because he was doing stuff with that, I guess. But now he's with. Fetty, yeah, and he's just a key member of that team, killing it. Yeah, it's just it's really cool to see what happened with him. So, you hear anything about Fetty at uh, in Austin? No, they did not have any. They didn't send any reps there. Rep. That's interesting. Yeah, not that I saw. No, right. I wanted to talk to the Bins about Mutiny Wallet. The uh, bins. Yeah, both Ben, the, the Bitcoin Council? Council of Bins. Yeah, yeah, they did not. Uh, Seem to be too interested in what was going on. Can we talk about mutiny for a sec? Yeah, like, if well, you know anything about it, I don't know anything. I just wanted to mention real quick, uh, Steve Barber. If you still want to do a council of Steves, um, I'm Oof, down. Okay. Man, that would be a good council. <laughs> so, uh, what? Well, what's mutiny? Oh, I, yeah, I don't I have any kind you, of insight into mutiny. Um, I know like that a, it's a wallet that people are very yeah. hype about. It's a feels very sovereign. It's a real wallet or like not a real, but it's like a phone wallet or is like a like a device. It is a mobile wallet. Yeah, and it runs a node. Um, I have no idea. See, I don't know either. Like I don't know. I, I haven't just... really looked into it. So hot right now, Muni wallet. Muni wallet is know. is so hot right now. <laughs> oh, go out there and get that Muni wallet. It's so <laughs> right, hot. right. This is an endorsement from the Raleigh Bitcoin Podcast, who clearly knows a lot about it. Um. Uh, I have uh, just another thing to say. Uh, so anyway, anyway, I know that you Bitcoin guys that live in Raleigh, I know that you're out there because I just met another one of you downstairs. Shout out to uh, guys 
Met downstairs. Um, the one yeah. that was helping you with your audio video? Yeah. Really? Huh. I, I discover like new people in Raleigh every day and you know, seem like solid Bitcoiners and uh, come to the meetup. Yeah, come on out. Come on. Come on out. Jason Williams is there. Pomp is there. Everybody's there. Pomp's from the Raleigh area, isn't he? I Are they from so. like Durham or something? Yeah, I think so. Okay. You can see his brother John's got good content. Pomp Boy Auto when you're driving around. Ugh, God. I'm feeling spicy today. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't know about a mutiny wallet. Um, don't play, a clip? but we endorse it. <clears throat> yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, we can play a clip. So I've, this episode was one of uh, Stefan Lavera's talking about. Uh, I think the title of the episode is "Bitcoin is not for everybody." I just noticed your shirt. It had a lot of. Oh, dude, man, this he's wearing a Jerome Powell shooting money printing, shooting out. money just into the sky. It's, it's one of my favorite shirts. Like I when I'm out in the wild that. and somebody notices this shirt <laughs> and knows what it is, I it makes that. my day for like a long That's time. Good. The sound of him with a gun shooting the money wouldn't be bird. It'd be more like right. What yeah, make got, that hat. What if you got a card that like could like you could like get something to shoot at you and make the sound? Hmm. Just a thought. Okay. Back to the clip. Sorry, I just I just that was too good. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I like this shirt. I wore it in Miami and got like one comment. It kind of pissed me off, actually. That's a great shirt. Um, it's Jerome Powell with red yeah, guns. Yeah, Jerome Powell's just shooting some money into the stratosphere. I mean, that's literally what he does. The guns are shooting money. One says Wall Street. Except one this says is cash Street. instead of just digital nothing. Uh, okay. Anyway, back to the clip. The clip um, is from a podcast about <clears throat> whether or not Bitcoin is for everybody. There are a lot of interesting points made. Um, I mean, you know, we do not like the term orange pilling on this podcast, but conceptually it's talking about the process of introducing Bitcoin to people uh, and kind of narrowing the scope of who we try to bring Bitcoin to. Um, a lot of these, I don't necessarily have any like follow-up comments about it. I just kind of want to hear y'all's thoughts on it. No, let's just sit in silence uh, afterwards. That'd be great. I mean, you know, we still got, dang, we got 40 minutes to kill. I mean, the if moment you, of silence at church is always my favorite part of church. Or at any sports game. You know, like, let's do a moment of silence for X tragedy that happens on a daily basis now. That's when you hit the beer That's line. Serious, but, yeah. Yeah. Too, too many people are, like, so into the moment that if you're the one guy getting the beer, you could, you're the only one there, man. Are you one of those guys that talks during the anthem? I bet, I'm one of the guys I bet you that kneel. goes to the He's a kneeler. I, I He's a the anthem kneeler. The anthem. That's what I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got shit to do, man. I got a game to watch. Let's go. That's actually probably a really good time to hit that line. Yeah. Uh, that All right, turned, let's rip the clip. Dark. Okay, here's the anyway, first clip. Anyway, let's play uh, a clip. Anyway. Like what I'm trying to say, like there is no one formula that fits all. And that's why we should stop saying uh, Bitcoin is for everyone because it is for anyone um, that are willing to listen. Yeah, like that, that are in a predicament, whether it is, you know, you're a resident of a, of a country that has struggled with hyperinflation for decades. That's, that's you know, a criteria that would make you ready. But then there are other criteria that will make you ready as well. That is not necessarily that. Uh, we as Bitcoiners need to be just hyper aware of these things if we are serious about uh, meaningful adoption, to be honest. Like what I'm trying to say... So the way he frames it as Bitcoin is for anyone instead of for everyone, I think is a much better way to frame it. Like anybody can be ready for Bitcoin, but not anywhere close. I mean, particularly here domestically, most people just frankly are not. Yeah, I got no idea what's going on with that kid. 
He's our fourth guest. We're going to bring him on here in a bit. I think it's like a, a kid that died here in the upstairs basement and his ghost Ooh. still the ghost. surrounding What made here. me perk up was how you you were saying it. Can you say what you just said again? Because how you phrased it was not how I was thinking. I I, I was thinking anyone, about... Anyone, not everyone. Anyone, no, I get that. Anyone can be I, ready for Bitcoin, but see, not everybody is. I think is. about it like ready. I thought, like, I think you got to be it, ready. Like, the, the you got to be primed for Bitcoin to slap you in the face of the way that it does to get the conviction needed to hold this su- uh, sucker for decades. I just think, yeah, no, no, you're totally right, and it's like it, it could be. I I just looked at it like the the network's voluntary, and it's like you can come and go as you please, man. I think you definitely can. Hard, hard does that help the cause necessarily? I mean, because like I think about this with the people that I talk to about Bitcoin. Are they just going to sell at a hundred grand? Does yeah, it matter? Probably. Yeah, a lot of no, people. I don't will. think it necessarily matters. A lot of people will buy at a hundred grand. Get like that's how you get a higher bottom is by getting more people that are convicted about the asset. You don't know what people are going through. Like, who cares what the fuck they do with with it? It's like if they're. I mean, I mean, you want people to hold it and to be self sovereign and all that stuff. But it's like if some dude has twenty of them and then can give sell two, and now these holders can split that among twenty different people. All right, let me move the frame a little bit. We're talking about, at least the way I'm thinking about this clip specifically, is about who is worth exerting your mental energy and your time in trying to, like, understand Bitcoin at a fundamental level. Do I think that that person who will sell at 100K has a right to do so? Absolutely they do. I don't know why I waste my time with you guys. (laughs) This is you giving back to the network. (laughs) Right, yeah. This is is honestly more of like a charity case from Steve just like like imparting his knowledge on something that is funny. I would love something. When we first started this, we are like, we're not going to talk. We're just going to listen to Steve. We're just going to let Steve talk. And now we're just talking the whole time. Right, yeah. Now we're just really like killing brain cells over here. Ah, no. There's nothing I'd rather do than talk to people about Bitcoin. Um... Do we run? A, I mean, do you, what, what what do you think about it, Steve? Yeah, I, the thing that popped in my mind was like, uh, not everybody's going to make it on the boat, and uh, you got to be okay with that. Like, I know Jacob doesn't want to hear that, but uh, yeah, Jacob doesn't like, care about uh, the boat. I, 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 that is that is what I'm down for. I Jacob's aunt I is going to be there drowning on my tombstone, man. Not right. everybody's going to make it, and you shouldn't care. <laughs> Jacob's <laughs> the chicken Titanic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's tough to know whether it's worth your time to try to help somebody. I really did like this. I, I listened to this podcast. I really love the message. Bitcoin is not for everyone. Um, just makes you feel better about, uh, you know, especially older people. One thing that I've just more and more, it's like, you know, most people are just looking out for their own investment time horizon and somebody who's really only looking at 10 years in the future they're not ever going to care about bitcoin because they they act like they care about what happens when they're dead but they don't you know yeah. 100 like, yeah i mean yeah. i i by and large agree with that something that i find interesting about like the demographics aspect of it is that i think a lot of these boomers who are right on the cusp of retiring are actually the ones who stand the most to lose if like the we get into like a credit crisis or a hyperinflationary type event not that i think that's coming or anything they're checking the value of their house on zillow because they're checking the the value of their house on zillow it's that they like they've kind of played their cards right like their fortress has been built now they got to hope it withstands the duration of that retirement because it's not like they have 
marketable skills anymore to go into the marketplace and make up any loss of purchasing power. Right. So a lot of those 55 to 70 people, they're the ones that I think have the potential to be screwed the hardest by far. Right. And they don't. Yeah. I mean, my um, someone close to me is parents are in that age and i remember he said to me like look i'm gonna be fine i don't care and i'm just like dude i don't think you are the 55 to 70 range like if real estate bottoms out you're done real estate are their 401ks i mean like what are the like what are those bonds that they hold gonna be worth yeah um so i mean that's one i mean like in my parents age that's one i mean not that i'd hammer them by any stretch of the imagination but I do see them as a at-risk demographic because a decade, two decades from now, if shit hits the fan, again, not that I'm saying that I think it will, they're going to be the ones that are most adversely affected because if AI goes where I think we think it's going to, I mean, what value are those people, those middlemen going to be able to bring to the marketplace if, you know, your skills are archaic by that point yeah they can't code they can't sell anything other than you know products that might not be as useful anymore uh if you're like a broker or something if you're just selling a specific product you're probably replaceable uh if you're in marketing or something like that you're replaceable so what if they dress really well and when they walk into the bar it seems like you're supposed to modify your wardrobe based on how this guy looks brooks Man, we're naming names in this episode. <laughs> Name droppers. Let's run the next clip. Well, I mean, no, like no. The, this. I wanted to make one. Um, I almost said to your point. Uh, it was just a phrase I, I see growing, and I don't love the to your point thing. But I was going to say to your point. You don't like that, anyways. Anyways, <laughs> um, about playing your cards. One uh, thing about owning Bitcoin, which I think the normal people don't get is how easily it is to move out of Bitcoin. So when you're invested in your house or whatever, you've kind of played your cards. It's not like you can just move it's out. It's not a liquid it. asset. It's not a liquid asset. Therefore, you you can't really speak honestly because like you can't just like move your wealth to somewhere else if you wanted to. You've already made your decision and you have to stick to that decision for a long time. With Bitcoin, dude, if there's a better Bitcoin, I am moving there tomorrow. Like, I have absolutely no allegiance to Bitcoin. I have allegiance to the best form of decentralized money on the planet. And if there's something better than Bitcoin, I am moving there tomorrow. Immediately. And I, I don't think people understand that when people are like, oh, yeah, you've got... you." You've placed your bets on Bitcoin. You're locked into Bitcoin. It's like it's like no, dude. I can be I can be in a different asset in ten minutes. Exactly. And I think people don't understand that. Yeah, because they. It's just, an interesting point. Because they think kind of scarcity goes along with illiquidity in a way. And yeah. In, and in Bitcoin, it's like the hmm. most scarce and the most liquid at the same time, and people just. Yeah. The other thing uh, too is that I mean, like a lot of boomers in that near retirement age, recently retired they have the assets where they can buy a couple whole coins and not have it be worth more than one, two, five percent of their overall net worth. I mean, is it not worth having that as insurance against a, uh, 
not a, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a devaluation, a, a seismic devaluation of the dollar. Like it's a, it's such a small bet that you don't have to place all of your eggs in a Bitcoin basket in order for the other side for you to be as wealthy or wealthier than you were in the event of hyper Bitcoinization. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think I've said all I want to on that one, but let, let's run the next one. Okay. They're all about, they're all about this topic. Um, Plus, but, if you're a boomer, you can make a nice little treasure hunt for your kid for a small little portion that you hold out of your kind of legal will or whatever. You can be like, plus, I have this fun little puzzle for mm, you to figure out. Yeah, that'll be good. And then, like, you can be in heaven, like, watching your kid trying to figure out your puzzle. And that shit's fun. Bitcoin is valuable in heaven, by the way. I haven't tried pitching Bitcoin to someone like that. I'm gonna Someone in some, heaven. Just more, more, more fun games when you're in heaven, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. All right, next clip. Uh, we, we just need to be very uh, aware. We need to show empathy. We need to humble ourselves and be like, okay, whoever I'm trying to orange peel, what, what have, they, what have they, they gone through? Because I can go and orange peel somebody else and say the exact same arguments that led me to be convinced orange about pill. Bitcoin. Hey, Austrian economics, you know, like uh, Keynesian economics is BS, and this is this is why the fiat uh, 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 money system is going to collapse soon. I mean, a lot of people won't really pay attention to that, and you see that in so many Bitcoiners. I've seen so many people on Twitter say, "Hey, I'm done orange peeling people," because uh, they always get rejected. They just don't get the message through. And when you are so convinced about Bitcoin's properties, and you, you kind of like dedicate your personal life, even your professional life, to it, it sucks to get that rejection. But that's only because you're trying to replicate the same arguments that convinced you to everybody. Just because you think Bitcoin is, is has like the ramifications to change everything in the world, which is true. But you need to just start at one point and then take it take it from there. I was just going to key in. Oh, wait. Moment of silence. Um. Amen. Um, <laughs> go get a beer. Uh, so, yeah, I was going to key in on when he said dedicate your personal and professional life to Bitcoin. Uh, I think about this a lot, and I've decided that, you know, I've always, I've done a lot of things in life. Like, I've been an engineer, I've been a scientist, I'm, I'm a bar manager right now. I've worked my way to the top. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I was like, what, what do I identify as? This has always been, like, a problem for me. But I'm not, I'm, like, proud of identifying as a Bitcoiner. I feel like I have dedicated my professional and personal life to Bitcoin in a way. But like, I, I definitely agree with his message that, you know, not everybody has and you're not going to make everybody do it. Well, I think what he's saying, too, is that some people take a rejection of the orange pill. And I mean, like, Jacob, I'm sorry. I, it's, it's, no, it's, I, I, it's, it's the best. It's the only word we have for good. it. It's all good. I'm not. Um, I'm not I don't care. They, they take trying to orange pill somebody as like a personal slight. And I think that there is definitely a risk with being so... Uh, obsessed with Bitcoin as a lot of us are that you you can fall into the trap of making it your personality mm -hmm. and taking yeah. a rejection Guilty. of Bitcoin as a rejection of you. Guilty, yeah. And that's not what's going on here and that's the point that he's saying about just relaying the exact same track that got you to that point where you have that conviction in Bitcoin is going to be different for every single solitary person um and there are a lot of people on twitter or whatnot that reject the thesis of having to meet people where they are 
that's just like you know if you don't get it then you know tough shit not gonna see you on the life raft but i mean i like that to me is a little bit lazy i mean if you know bitcoin well enough to make it such a foundational piece of who you are you should know multiple avenues from which to talk to somebody about it because there's a bitcoin application to just about anything so if somebody cares about what's an example if if you care about like third tesla. world third world countries or tesla i mean so like what would what would be a reason why someone would be into tesla is that you think that like electronic vehicles or something Saving could be good planet. for the planet mm-hmm. there's a bitcoin talk track for that so talking to people about what they care about is a much it's a much it's a path of lesser resistance to get them to where you are than if you're just beating them over the head repeatedly with Austrian economics or why Keynesianism is is whack or whatever you know your your typical kind of pitch may be. Yeah, um, <clears throat> reminds me. Uh, I saw this flyer for NC State that college here in Raleigh and it had a map of where NC State was this was like trying to encourage high school students to apply to NC State and the caption under the map said all roads lead to NC State and um, I like that though. that's funny that's a good one yeah it's a good one that's a good map catching caption well and it kind of in Raleigh it's all like a lot of roads <laughs> do you can get to so yeah campus. that just remind me of uh, all roads do lead to Bitcoin whether you're talking about um Tesla or whatever, whatever the person wants to Well, because about. money is all pervasive. Money's all money pervasive. touches everything. Money touches everything. All roads lead to Bitcoin. The, anyway. The reason I brought up Tesla as the example is, um, and you would probably know better than I would, but it just feels like uh, in the stock market, like to get like a camaraderie or like a rah-rah type feel, like I feel like they're one of the only assets that have that or one of the only stocks. Maybe NVIDIA Value now. investing, for sure, has a big community. Just a huge community. Yeah, yeah. there's like a lot of Tesla psychos out there. So That's why I was. That's why I use that as an example. But there are lots of know. Elon psychos. Yeah, exactly. Some yeah. of my least favorite people on the Because SpaceX, you can't. That's not a public. SpaceX, thing. well, I mean, no, you can't. Tesla's your only Tesla's exposure to Elon. Re- right, in terms of at least like assets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think if, and I think what you guys said was perfect. If you're trying to talk to someone about Bitcoin and you're offended that they're not receiving it well, um, a grow may, the fuck up. Yeah, you need to go outside and, and go get a hobby. Yeah, touch and grass. Do some other shit and um, yeah, just stop talking about it for a well, while. Well, because at some point in the podcast, he talks about like the best way to be an ambassador for Bitcoin is to just be an interesting person. Yeah, and interesting people are interested. Mm-hmm. Like. Y- if, if you're asking people what they care about, right. you're going to find your avenue. Yeah, and then you point. just like trickle on them over the course of time. I just, and hate, I, I just hate this conversation in the sense of like, I don't talk to people finding ways to bring up Bitcoin. I, if I'm asking someone doing about... It wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it definitely comes up, but it's not like I'm It seems like gigging. you have a motive to talk to Correct. people. Correct. That's how it feels. Of you just want to talk like to Like, maybe we could find the little niche to where we can shoot the gap and talk about whatever, and it's like, I don't know, man. See, I mean, I'm, I'm in a place just show where i show them I'm how like, it works. Show them how it works. Okay, okay we it. got a clip on that. You should want to talk to people anyway, but if it does lead to Send Bitcoin, Send them some sats. Show them a transaction ID. 
and just that's it. If think, their mind's think, not blown, they're a mouth breathing. I, th- I, I think the the next clip is about basically exactly that. You um, sure it's the next one? I it, think so. Next one's only fifteen seconds, and then the one after that thirty two. Uh, let's just play both of them. Let's see. Yeah, let's rip them. Now, in 2023, we're like 14 years in, right? I think now is kind of like where we maybe need to stop raising awareness and just like create products and think about the communication, uh, think about target audiences. Instead of an ocean, think about the swimming pool. That's a reference to to Seth Godin, which is a marketing guy that I like, that I I put in the opinion piece. Identify the swimming pools, don't focus on the ocean, and then these little swimming pools are people that you bring in through a great experience, whether it is through an app, platform, a service, whatever. It's not necessarily because of the concept of Bitcoin, but it's more of a thing that you employ to do what you want to do. See, I mean, I've got several thoughts about this. Like, I don't know that showing Bitcoin in action necessarily moves the needle for most Americans because Venmo exists. Most people don't understand that, you know, your Venmo balance, that's not settled. That's not money that's actually like in your possession, so to speak, at least not yet. But they feel like it is that way. So like seeing an instantaneous payment or even, you know, even like a Lightning Network payment, that's not going to really blow their minds in the same way, I don't think. I also, I mean, I, like, I, I understand what he's saying in terms of, you know, needing to build products and services that will have like this, oh, wow, aha moment for whoever you're trying to reach. But I think some of what he's saying, too, is that the only issues that Bitcoin faces are UX and UI ones, and I don't know that I agree with that. So that's kind of what I want to discuss with that clip is just yeah. is because because uh, I mean I, I get the impression with a large swath of Bitcoin Twitter, you know, which is a terrible sample size, but that's neither here nor there, that they see UX UI as a panacea for all things Bitcoin. That that's really the only battle left to fight. Is that just if we can make it look sexy, be easy enough to use, then that is what is going to be like incite, um, you know, the God candle. And I'm not sure I agree. Yeah, I mean, I I have a hard time with UX UI people because I get it and I think about UX UI uh, a lot, like both with I with what I create on my website and with what I use. Um, but yeah, like. Some pe- some people focus way too much on UX. They think UX just making everything look like eye candy and just making everything easy to use. That's what fixes everything. And I don't agree with that. I, I mean, one of the big advantages of making stuff hard to use is that people have to learn uh, what it's like. And I went through a phase where I was like, like you know, like now I'm on this big... Um, thing about the 2106 problem and i've got my little soapboxes now but an old soapbox was like make it harder like don't make it easier like make people have to open the command line right because if they don't have to open the command line they'll never understand what a computer is and a big part of like understanding bitcoin is understanding what a computer does yeah uh so public private key pairs yeah and also the responsibility aspect like no, no amount of UX is going to change the fact that you are responsible for your Bitcoin. And that's, I mean, is, is responsibility a UX? Can you UX responsibility out of there? 
Like, I don't... Well, in UX UI, to some degree, I mean, is that not the issue that we're having with uh, these coins being held on centralized exchanges? Mm. Like, how many people keep their coins on Coinbase because there's a good UX UI? Yeah. I mean, how many coins are still just floating around on Strike because there's good UX UI? Is good UX UI almost undercutting self-custody? You know, and I mean, at some point on the on the podcast too, he gets into how, you know, maybe is it a good idea for us to kind of cool it with the, um, with the just hammering the self custody piece because that's the gold standard, mm-hmm. and not everybody's going to necessarily get there. But to your point, if UX UI is more difficult, I do think it incentivizes learning. I mean, I can speak to that personally, uh, particularly in terms of like node running that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, not everybody's going to want to run a node, all that kind of, all those trade-offs with, um, with that. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I found it a very interesting point that he's like, you know, we need to transition away from, like, the space doesn't need more think boys. It needs more um, people who are actually like building stuff. But I mean, see, even that is like almost mm-hmm. more of like a shitcoin or talking point because I mean, that's what the drivetrain camp would point to is that we've got and we can touch on that we can well shout out no, shout out jared jared said last at the last meetup uh we need more bitcoin podcast less devs <laughs> yeah well need a little bit of both but i uh, was hoping he would come defend that position but maybe ne- uh, next time yeah. or the other time <clears throat> we need more higher level devs you know we need more layer two devs so don't don't need a lot of layer one devs he did say bitcoin core devs yes oh okay yeah, because, I mean, that's like maintaining the code. That's making, like, the code base better. That's a lot different than coming in with the pretense of I'm here, I'm new here, and I'm here to save Bitcoin, yeah. which is what I feel is a lot of the popular bit proposals floating around now. Not that Paul Stork is new or anything remotely mm-hmm. like that, but... I'm going to um, put out a bit. Is this the block size wars, too? I'm here to save Bitcoin. Paul Stork, the Bit 300, no, no chance. You don't I think, think drive uh, chain and that, all that stuff coming no, to Bitcoin I, is this the new block size wars? You don't think B cashers are just now the the new drive chainers? No, I mean yes, I do think B cashers are drive chainers, but I don't think that there's anywhere remotely close to the appetite for drive chains as there was for big blocks. Coming from somebody who wasn't there. Yeah, Paul Storks, uh, if you're listening to this, I uh, love you. Love your idea for Truthcoin. Um, followed you ever since your uh, World Crypto Network appearances in like 2013. Well, one of the interesting things about Paul uh, is that his motivation from the beginning was to make a news network, <clears throat> which uh, couldn't put out bullshit because uh, all these individual people would have to witness an event and the people would get paid out based on how accurate their reporting of the event was to the average. Like, like a value-for-value value reporting type thing? Yeah, deal? exactly. So he's trying to build Truthcoin, and he realized along the way that Truthcoin has a data problem. There's just way too many events. The bandwidth for communicating all these events is just it's too low. a lot of data to store. Low. There's no way the Bitcoin blockchain can store all these data. How do you store all this data decentralized? And that's what eventually led him into drive chains. <clears throat> so his motive for drive chains is so pure, but it's almost a um, it's almost ironic because I feel like he's almost at the point now where he's 
saying almost anything he needs to say to push, push drive change, which is the whole problem that he hated originally, is that people use these marketing pitches and they say bullshit stuff in order to get stuff through. And it's like, it's almost at the point where he's being semi dishonest and like being a marketer in order to like push through this project, which is ultimately, ultimately about removing bullshit from the world. Like it's, 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 it's almost like a, a beautiful paradox. I know that was, well, a I mean, lot, no, I find it a classic example of either you die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And it sounds <laughs> like he has kind of, well, I'm been not beating this bush long enough that he's kind of yeah. become what he hated to some degree. Yeah. I'm not, he's not quite there yet. No, I, and mean, I, 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 I still love the guy, but you know, like Stephen Colbert. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> like what a classic case. Of, I man. loved him back in the day. I know. Like loved you, it. You I had his books become, and everything. He went to my college. You can oh. become the thing you hate. No oh, he did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. He was in the room across the hall from me. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, and back then we claimed him big time. Nowadays, there wouldn't be a single person that would claim I mean, he like was, he was Colbert as a point of pride as a Hampton City yeah. alum. Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Interesting All right, I mean, we got one more team. clip on that topic that we can hit and discuss. Okay, I also have. Uh, if we need to fill up a little bit of stuff afterwards, I have some things. We can I always sandbag it too. What? What are we at? We're at 53 minutes. 53 minutes. Okay. Let's go. Let's just play this last clip and see what it says. No more think boy uh, stuff. No more like (laughs) conceptual stuff. I'm a think boy. Just like present the values. Simple Steve. Do your research on the people that you're presenting this value to and and get get their feedback and and start like creating those ecosystems that might be insignificant when you put it in an isolated view. Like, okay, a township in South Africa. Who cares, right? But... The more of them that appears, that's where the like the, the cultural change happens. And uh, the culture change happens not because of any ideology or any Bitcoin maxi identity that you put to your person. It's just, it's awesome because you've used it and it works and it's a delightful experience. And, you know, that that changes the culture. I mean, I think that's a pretty good summation of the previous few clips that, you know, and I mean, and again, like I'm not positive that I even agree wholesale with what he's saying, because I mean, I do think there is a huge, a massive use case for um, maximalism. I think there's a huge use case for toxic maximalism, certainly at this stage in the adoption curve. Um, but you Definitely know, a use it, case for the most toxic meetup too. Mm, man, is there ever Tuesday? Yeah. Tuesday at six thirty. Come, come hang out. But. If he's saying, I think what he's saying is that if you let that identity within Bitcoin drive what you're trying to do, if you let that, it can undermine you some sometimes. Like I think some mm-hmm. of, I mean, Safe Dean is 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 a good example of this to me, where I just really wish he would kind of stick to economics, what he knows best. Like not me, love you, Safe. Do I look? Yes. Keep I love safe toxic. I, I love most of what he's saying. I even agree with most of what he's saying. But I think like does the carnivore diet or whatever it may be, does that make new bitcoiners and I just don't think it does. Yeah, that's true. He made a lot of new bitcoiners with his book um the Bitcoin Standard. He doesn't really make a lot of new bitcoiners with 
being super toxic about food and stuff. I don't think the fiat standard minted a single new Bitcoiner. Yeah. Um, principle of economic principles of economics will. I'm very excited to read that third book. Yeah. Um, I think that one's going to be awesome. I think it's just going to be a extrapolation of Per Bilan's, um book, which Jacob and I both love and have read multiple times. I think it just fleshes out most of the ideas. I read, you know, it, I read it once. Yeah, I you read it multiple, multiple times. times. All right, well. And red would be a kind word. I just, yeah, you sifted but through I it once. But I am a huge fan of the, the guy. Yeah, Per Bilan's awesome. Yeah, you got to message me next time Per Bilan's on. You like him. Show. He's great. Well, I know you want He's absolutely to awesome. talk to him. Stefan Kinsella, more so, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Both both, both would be great. Yeah, they're both yeah. like you're right up your alley. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that I would ask them questions that the audience didn't care about. Um, That's so. fine. No, we, we care about what you care about. And I don't even necessarily okay. agree with his point that there don't need to be more think boys in the space either because everybody has their certain um, flavor of think boy that's going to speak to them. Like Stefan Levera, for example, he's more on the technical, um, econo- like Austrian economics side. Whereas a breed love is on more of the philosophical side, there are multiple different avenues to explore think boyism within the Bitcoin space. Um, you know, we've got the Simple Steve pod, which is out here changing lives as well. So, yeah, Simple Steve, I got a think boy thing to say. Um, where you finished? No, yeah, your I'm finished there. Uh, so this is a anyway kind of comment. <laughs> But, you know, so it, it gets back to we were, t- we were talking about UX and responsibility and remembering your own 24 words. I almost think, you know, how like, uh, you know, when is someone an adult when they're 18? When can they go to war? When can they vote? When can they uh, buy drink. Al- alcohol, a drink? Yeah, whatever. I almost think uh, Bitcoin explores this idea of you're a responsible adult when you can withhold your 24 words from other people Hmm. and like you yourself are responsible for that wealth. And if you die, like, and you haven't made anything like basically it, it dies with you that in a way distinguishes a level of responsibility amongst people. And it's not about age or gender or any of the other ways that we commonly use um, this is Think Boy Steve, you know, far out there. I, I like the point that you're making, though, that it doesn't have to do with some arbitrary number. It's more about level of responsibility. Yeah. And that can come at any different age under any different cer- uh, set of circumstances. I, I mean, I think that's a very valid, very strong point that the amount of responsibility you have is what dictates your level of adulthood. Yeah, like you can drink as soon as you can remember 24 words. <laughs> and show us three, three, three months prove it didn't. by telling it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be a good thing, like, you know, let's say you have a kid, some, you know, and he gets old enough and you can start giving him, a, give him a 24 words and be like, hey, man, you got to don't fuck this up for six months and you get a car. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I would also, speaking of kids, I would also like uh, someone to make an app where a kid gets to choose whether they uh, spend their money or save it. And the app artificially makes the value of that savings go up, even though it doesn't really. Like, don't actually tie it to the Bitcoin price. Don't actually tie it to a stock price. Just artificially make it go up by, like, you know, 5%. 
per year or like 10% a year or something like that. And you pay the interest that goes up for that kid, even though the kid just thinks it goes up if you save it. We need that mentality in children at a young age. Like you either get to spend your money or you get to watch it grow. Because we used to have that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can't really. See. Yeah, exactly. But even I mean, that's it, what our grandparents were. Born even and if it's on. artificial, like imagine a kid getting that understanding at a really young age. I feel like that would change a lot. So if you're, an I think teaching kids about managing money is, is a right. big time. Important. But, they, but they have to see it. They yeah. have to feel like they own it. Right. You can't just like tell them. I mean, particularly for kids, it's so hard because, you know, a week feels like a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's an interesting idea. I mean, I know that there are definitely some projects and ideas out there floating around that do concentrate on, you know, giving people sats for doing their chores or whatnot. Yeah. But I mean, but for I want- a kid to hold for a full cycle, yeah. four years, I mean, like that is a Big, big time ass. Oh yeah, I just want to see the kid make the decision of, right. of buying the candy or or having uh, ten more cents tomorrow. Yeah, exercise like, the muscles in the brain of low time preference. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, let's build that. Um, I think we can wrap there. I mean, that's right, an hour, isn't yeah. it? I mean, like let's let's hold off on your talking point for next time. Anyway, to your point, moment <laughs> of silence. Um, that's got to be the name of the episode. All right. But yeah, so, I mean, Tuesday nights, that's when we meet for the meetup. It's always a good time. Um, bare minimum, just come, have a few drinks. Yeah. You know, you'll you'll definitely have a good conversation with somebody. It's a good group of guys. Um, come check it out. Hope to see you there soon. All right. Thanks. See you next time. <laughs>